Welcome to the Cross Church Podcast. You're in for a treat today. We have one of our elders, Dennis Weeb, guest speaking with us. He'll be sharing part two of our series, Christmas Gifts. Dennis is the founder of the Burundi branch of Village of Hope. And in this message, he'll be teaching about joy and why acquiring things is the exact wrong approach to finding joy in your life. Enjoy the message. Morning. Look, I, I was here at like eight o'clock in the morning, and that's like really early for me. It's eleven forty-two. Good morning, everybody. A little better. So we are now into December. We're into Christmas celebrations, uh, work parties, family get-togethers. That's all rolling. So one of the things that I think we all kind of have is we all have our rules and boundaries of how Christmas happens in our household. Is that, is that a fair statement? I think I shocked Sally when, when I married her because she didn't understand there were, there were really some hard rules. Like, you cannot play Christmas music before December 1st. That, that's that's, that's a, like just a complete non-starter. You just can't be November 30th, no go. Also, the tree can't go up before December 1st. Usually it goes up on a weekend, but it can't be the weekend before December 1st. It has to be after. There are specific rules that have to be followed. Otherwise, you just get yourself into trouble, um, in my books anyway. So maybe Christmas looks a little like this in your place. You've got a tree, a few presents underneath it. Maybe... Maybe you've got the fireplace with stockings. I know, I know a few people that have that. I had no idea what stockings were before I met Sally. It's like, what's a stocking? Like, I grew up in a Mennonite household. We don't, we don't do Santa Claus. We don't do stockings, whatever that is all about. So some people have that. I realized you get more gifts with the stockings. Maybe Christmas looks a little like this one. So this, this was interesting. This was actually a news article online, and the lady was defending her, uh, I don't know, her purchasing habits. She didn't think that this was overboard. Yeah, can, can we all agree this is a little bit out of hand? Just a little bit? Uh, yeah, so everybody's got their boundaries and their rules of what Christmas is, and, and I think sometimes we kind of lose sight of, of what it's really all about. So... Last week, Andrew spoke about hope, that through salvation we have hope, we have that eternal life. This week, I'm speaking about joy. So, can we agree this really doesn't have anything to do with joy? Right? It's, this, is, this is about, I'm trying to create a happy moment, but actually, there was another rule. You got too many gifts if you can't remember who gave it to you and say thank you to them. Yeah, that was, that was a rule for, for Christy. Uh, I don't know if she remembers that, but you know, there were times we had to remind her who they came from, so you know, it, was, it was a little overboard. But it was never this. So it's important to understand what we are actually celebrating. What is it? So joy is, is, a, is a very interesting concept that we're going to go through today. And it's probably not necessarily what you're thinking. So Pastor Allen did a sermon series in November about no worries. And this is actually a really good segue, a good lead into what we're talking about today, joy. And you might kind of go, 
what do the two have in common? And we'll get into that so that you'll see the correlation between them. But there is a great deal of confusion between happiness and joy. Happiness is, is really just about emotion and, and having experience. I, I went, you gotta Google everything, right? You gotta figure it out. Go to go to Google, see what they have to say. And I came across this website called uh, Diffin.com. And I plugged, because I'd plugged in difference between joy and happiness. And boom, there it was, Diffin.com. And, and they laid it out this way. They said, happiness can be experienced from any good activity, food, or company. Joy, on the other hand, is a byproduct of living a moral life. So you can see even their perspective, which has nothing to do with Christianity, looks at it from a very different uh, view. Like they, they are definitely pointing that happiness is more emotionally driven. Is, am I going to have a gift? Am I going to have a thousand gifts? Am I going to have a great rush riding a roller coaster? Am I going to have fun hanging out with friends? It's, and, and if we are just constantly looking at that happiness, trying to get that next high, it, it can drive us crazy. Whereas joy is that longer-term benefit of living a good life. And the Christian perspective is a little bit more specific than that. But let, let's take a look at what the angels came to us and, and talked about. Let's get past that. So this is the scripture in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. The angels were coming specifically to the shepherds, and this is what they had to say. So the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, because angels don't normally appear to people out in the middle of the field somewhere. And he said, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Great joy to all people, okay? The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. This is, this is salvation is coming. Jesus is being born. And this is the incredible gift of joy that is the ultimate satisfaction, the ultimate result of a life serving God. Okay, so th this is what the angels are talking about. Now, if you think about why did they go, why did they go to the shepherds? Because who were the shepherds? And I think this is really important to understand. The shepherds were not the, the in people. They were not the high income earners. These were basically the social outcasts of society. In the Jewish culture, you had to be clean. You had to be presentable. Clean meaning ceremonially clean to go to the temple and provide your offerings. If you weren't, you were not welcome. These guys were never clean by the standard established by the temple. So they were the social outcasts. They were never allowed in. They were always on the outside looking in. And I think, I think we can all kind of identify with that to some degree, being that person on the outside looking in because you're just not accepted. And this was the shepherds. They, they had a difficult, difficult life. And this was the best news for them because now they are being accepted. They are being brought in and, and saying, look, this gift is for you. Salvation is coming, and a huge part of that, 
bringing great joy. Because I don't think they had a lot of joy going on in their life. Their whole day was out looking after sheep. They stank. They didn't have a bathroom to go to. It was just outside. They, they, they had no comforts. They slept outside. There was absolutely zero comforts in their life. And now they're being told there's an amazing gift that's coming. And, and to prepare themselves. So Pastor Allen uh, kind of gave me a little bit of advice on, on some, of the, some of the components of, of the shepherds. And, it, and it, it's so important to understand these guys had a really, really difficult life. He put it this way. He said, their life was hell and hell awaited them. They had no hope. They had no joy. They, they, it was going nowhere until this amazing revelation that Jesus is coming and this Savior is going to give them the joy that they needed in their life. So Pastor Allen also would point out that joy is a component of a genuine Christian. So he's noted in the seven habits, a, a, the Christ followers, a serious Christ follower is one who's going to have joy. And, and it's, it's important to understand that it's not just about having an easy life. We're going to go through all kinds of struggles because these shepherds were not taken out of their life and given this big mansion to live in here on earth and given all kinds of incredible gifts. They were still grinding it out every day in their life, but knowing that they had a greater reward in heaven. And it's important to understand that. So let's, let's take a look at the scripture in James. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of, of any kind, any kind, come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. This is a scripture I've wrestled with quite a bit. Is that what comes to your mind? You're, you're facing a massive problem. It's like, wow, this is an opportunity for joy. Not usually the first thing that comes across my mind. But this is, this is a reality of what God's plan is. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so, it, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. This is a completely different perspective of, of what we look at from a, a worldly perspective of, I'm looking for the next high, I'm looking to be happy. Because th this is what we hear constantly in the media today, or, or pretty much anything having to do with pop culture. It's about me and I need to be happy. And this is not a biblical perspective. You're going to face struggles. You're going to face all different kinds of struggles in your life that may or may not be really difficult. But it's preparation for that next thing that's going to be coming that may be taking you to a point of, wow, now I've accomplished this. Now I've accomplished the next thing. If everything was just easy, then we really wouldn't accomplish anything in this life. And yet God has plans for each of us that we need to accomplish. And as you go through those, it delivers an incredible amount of joy in your life. And that's why I agree with what Diffin.com said, that it's living a moral life, but I'd say it's more. It's living a life according to God's plan. And you will have such incredible joy that you won't be able to contain it. So if, if we look at, at Paul and how he lived his life, it's, it's a truly amazing life. So Paul was chosen 
by, by Jesus to be the one who comes and delivers the message to the world, okay? It's taking the message of, the, of salvation outside of the Jewish world and bringing it to the Gentiles, us, okay? And here's, what he, here's what he says. He says, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Because Paul, Paul had everything. When he had that experience on the road to Damascus, when Jesus spoke to him and he knocked him off, the, off of his, his donkey or horse, whatever he was riding, and he's blinded and he hears Jesus saying, why are you persecuting me? Paul was at a point, like he, is, he is a high-ranking guy in the Pharisee hierarchy. He had everything, wealth, comfort. And at that moment, when he accepts Jesus and, and says, this is now the direction of my life, he lost it all. He had nothing because they were, he was now part of the hated group underneath the, the Pharisee government. And so he, he can speak honestly about having lots and having little. And he says, I've learned to be content in both circumstances. It's not about, I have to get stuff to be happy. It's about, I'm living my life according to God's plan, so I have great joy. And that, that's a critical, critical point to understand. And, and it's... Paul, Paul had this, this moment. So he, he's going through his life. He's, he's now arrested. He's been spending an, an immense amount of time in jail because of his beliefs and what he's been teaching. And he, he's, been, he's had opportunity to present his case to the king, King Herod. He's had the, the, the opportunity to present to the governor, the, the Roman governor, and presenting the gospel. And they, they've agreed with him. Yeah, there's no problem here. You shouldn't be in jail. And he has the opportunity to go free and, and carry on with his life. Instead, he goes, I appeal to Caesar. He was free to go. Instead, he goes, no, I still have more to do. So being a Roman citizen, he gets transported to Rome, which wasn't easy. He gets shipwrecked. He gets bitten by a snake. He has all kinds of problems along the way, even just to get there, because now he's got an opportunity to present the gospel to Caesar, the leader of the Roman Empire, which was basically the world as they knew it then. It wasn't about living that comfortable life. It was about doing what he knew Jesus had given him to do, living that life according to God's plan, God's will, not pursuing, I can go leave now and I can go live my life and have my comfort, have my house and do my thing versus God's got a plan for me and I need to go do that. And this is the reason why the book of Romans even, even exists today because Paul went there and he planted a church. If he didn't go, I appeal to Caesar, would, would the church in Rome have existed? Probably, but Paul wouldn't have been the guy. And this was God's, this is the guy that Jesus chose to take the gospel to the bulk of the world. It wasn't about comfort. It wasn't about 
having your life in the manner in which you think it should go. It really is about living your life according to God's plan. We can, we can allow ourselves to, to get lost in, in pursuit of happiness. But the reality is, if it is just consistent pursuit of happiness, we are never going to be fulfilled. Because it's like that addict. You get that next hit, or you get that next drink, or that next whatever. But you're just looking for it again. And, and you're never, ever going to be satisfied. So pursuit of happiness actually blends very well with prosperity gospel. If it's all about having everything here and now, we're completely missing the point because the whole point of joy is that it's an end result. It's the end game. It's looking at heaven. It's looking at that reward, knowing that this is not our home. We, you know, Scripture says we're aliens here. This is just a temporary spot for us living our lives according to God's plan and will to do the things that he wants us to do and then having an amazing reward in the end. It's like, it's like winning the lottery, but you didn't have to get the numbers. You didn't have to get the numbers. It's just, it's a gift. It's there for you. And we just need to reach out and take it and apply it and use it. There, there are so many things that, that, that come to mind uh, of problems that we face in our lives that are constantly wearing on us and, and creating problems for us that we need to continuously overcome or go through because we're learning a lesson and we're learning to handle ourselves in a manner that's honoring and pleasing to God to then get prepared for the next task, whatever that may be. And, and we, we all have, I know for myself, I've created a lot of excuses over the years of different things that have happened but we need to look beyond that because if, if, if we just focus on our problem, that problem, problem can seem so huge and insurmountable that we lose sight of what we are really trying to do. Let me, let me give you a few examples. Pastor Allen's in Burundi right now speaking about marriage. Uh, I think not necessarily marriage, but I think we can all put our hand up and say we've had a bad relationship at some point in our life, whether it's a friend or a spouse, or a boyfriend, or a girlfriend, whatever the case is, we can all say we've had a bad relationship, and it, it, it hurts. There is nothing fun or exciting about a bad relationship. But I know God can solve those problems if you live your life according to the plan that he has. Do it God's way, and it's amazing how much better it goes. Financial issues. You know, man... Uh, I had it all clicking along until I made one decision in my business and man, it cost me so much money. And my, my decision making had to change on how I was looking at my household and how we were running things and skinny up on things that we didn't even think about before because money just wasn't there. I think, I think we can all kind of attest to at some point, the credit card bills keep coming, the mortgage keeps coming, the rent keeps coming, and it's like, how am I going to pay this? And again, let's go back to what Pastor Allen was teaching. Do it his way, and there will be amazing things that come. If, if, you, you know, if we really truly believe that the Bible is true and, and it's accurate, and we look at the scripture that references our seventh habit, give, Luke 6, 38, where it says, 
you know, the measure that you use is going to be used back to you. If you give and you do it according to God's plan, expect that you're going to have rewards pressed down, shaken. It's like that, as a kid, I made cookies. I don't, I don't bake anymore. I'm good at eating them, though. If you're making cookies, and you got that flour, and, and you got to shake it down, and it shrinks down. It, it does that. You add more, and now it's flowing over. This, this is the reward of God. But you got to do it his way first. And that joy will come, but only if we're doing it according to God's plan. Addictions. I think we're all probably addicted to one thing or another. I, I'm going to use uh, my son-in-law with his, with his permission. So when I, when I met Nick, huge, huge marijuana issue, pothead, right? And, and, and it's amazing how that was holding him back. It just his ability to think and reason just wasn't as sharp as it needed to be. And, and, and he says, it's like, it was a constant struggle to shake that until he truly gave it over to God. And he, he said, this is, this is your problem now. I'm, I'm moving on. And, and it, he said, it was just gone. That, that addiction was gone. I know uh, we, we've had a video of Leanne and her testimony. Same thing. This is when you start to turn your life and you live it God's way, those things start to disappear because your focus changes on, on what you're pursuing. Is it, is it that happiness of that next hit? Or is it, I'm going to do things God's way to please and honor God, right? That, that's, that's such a critical thing. We'll talk about unemployment. You know, it, it, you lose your job. Is that, is that a massive hurdle? Uh, I'm going to use Dennis Barrett's example, and, and he gave me permission. He lost his job uh, probably about two and a half, three months ago. And the reality is the bills keep coming. He's got a family of three kids, and the mortgage has to be paid. Bills have to be paid. You've got to heat your house. And it's like, wow, what's going on? I remember Pastor Allen saying, the Barrett's are givers. He'll find a job pretty quick. And the reality is he did. He didn't find a job because Pastor Ellen said that. He found a job because they were obedient in giving and trusted God. And, and, and incredible stuff happens as a result of that. When you truly live your life according to God's plan, and it's always going to take our action first, because the tendency is, wow, I lost my job. That really sucks. And woe is me. My life is horrible. I'm a victim. And now what do I do? And, and we want to go and tell everybody about all the big problems. And the reality is we need to turn to God first and look for the answer. Because that's, that's where we're going to find the truth. And, and we're going to find that joy when that... Because, you know, think about Dennis's situation. It's like, wow, how am I going to do this? And then all of a sudden it's like, Boom, this job comes out of nowhere and quick. And it was a better job than he had before. If he didn't lose the job, he would have never seen what God had for him. Going through the struggle doesn't mean that you're necessarily being punished. It might be that you're being tested to learn something new because God's got a bigger plan for you. What about health struggles? You know, I, I look at, my, my wife, Sally, 
sorry, the struggles that she's been through. Uh, I don't know if some of you may recall a couple of years ago um, bringing her to church in a wheelchair because she, she couldn't use her hands and feet. She was in such incredible pain. She couldn't walk and she couldn't use her hands. And, and to see what that led to. So at the beginning, it was binge-watching Netflix. Well, that gets old pretty quick when that's all you got to do. And, and it just started to, you know, started to think about it and, and realized that what God's been pushing her to do is, is prayer. And she created this massive prayer list of everybody in our family, all these different things, things in Cross Church, things in Burundi, things, anybody, people in her workplace, She's been praying for them. A couple hours a day, it was just rolling through this. And even when her health has returned, she's still on meds. She's not 100%, but she's back at work. But that prayer habit has continued. And this, this was a revelation that came out of a struggle. If she had never gone through the struggle, would she have realized, hey, this is the gift that God has for me and he wants me to be focused on, on the prayer. But I can tell you when she goes through that, there's a joy. She feels useful to God that this is what God's given me to do. We talk about loss of loved ones. Most people may not know that uh, Sally's first husband passed away when he was 30 years old. Christy was three. He had, uh, he had cancer. You know, that's a huge blow. But that wasn't the only loss. Her sister was murdered in, Ed in Edmonton um, you know, before that. And, and it, it's, you, you see people that get crippled because of a close loved one that dies unexpectedly, maybe a, a sickness or an accident. You know, Nick has faced that in his family. His brother died at 19 years old in a car accident. And so many people, they just kind of go in, into their little shell and they say, this is it. You know, I, I, I can't move forward. But the reality is God's got an incredible plan. He's got the answer. If we do it his way, Jesus is the answer. His salvation is the answer to making it through every one of those circumstances and if you talk to those people, whether it's Dennis Barrett, Nick Hack, or my wife Sally, they'll tell you the same thing. It's about living a life that's honoring and pleasing to God and in pursuit of that gift of salvation, which brings ultimate joy. That's what it's about. So this gift is there. It's available to us. Are we going to Accept it, or are we just going to leave it on the ground? Are we going to leave it under the tree and, and never, never take that gift? I can't really get up and speak without doing something pertaining to Village of Hope because it's such a huge part of my life. So each one of these kids I know personally. Most of them, I think with the exception of one, was there right from the beginning when we opened the doors. And it's now 10 years. We started with 42 kids, and in 10 years, we now have 450. 
That's what happens when you connect with people that are on the same page as you, living their Christian lives according to God's plan, and the joy that has resulted in, in this work, unbelievable. It's exponentially greater than I can ever imagine. And, and I've, I've at times thought, man, my life would be a lot simpler if I didn't do Village of Hope. Wow, is that a stupid statement? Because I would have missed out on all the joy, the relationships, the people that God's brought in my life. Cross church wouldn't have been a part of my life. And, and to see what God has done. So the young boy in the middle, he's my sponsored kid. His name is Epaphras. And his, his brother is Syriac, who is the head teacher at Village of Hope. So during the, the genocide that was happening in Burundi, most people aren't aware of Burundi and the war that happened there, but uh, about the population of Winnipeg was killed during a 12-year period from 1993 to 2005. And it was all about tribal warfare, Hutus and Tutsis. So Epaphras' father was murdered in his house because the, the rebels entered their house. And the only reason why he was murdered, he was shot because he was Tutsi. That's it. So if, if anybody had a, a reason to say, you know what, life doesn't make sense, this is just garbage and I, I got no point to living. It was Epaphras. Because when his dad got killed, their income got killed. And, and they struggled. But along comes Village of Hope and first brings his brother in as, as a teacher and helps him through university. And Epaphras followed shortly after. And, and their life was absolutely transformed because they were given food, medical, education, all the things that we take for granted. But that's not what it was about. It's not about those things. It was about delivering the gospel to the family so that they can understand the greatest gift, which is salvation. And to be able to see now what has happened there and how God has used me in that, like I, at this point, my vision is done for Village of Hope. The last thing was the school. And that, that, was, that was the end of it for me. So now what happens? I got no script. I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm, I'm anxious to see it. Because if we can go from 42 to 450 in 10 years, what's the next 10 years? I don't know. God does. I can tell you this, though. It's going to be an interesting ride. I'm going to tell you a little bit about me going to Burundi because I think a lot of people don't really know this part of the story. I went to Burundi the first time in 2007 and I was given some money from the, like the, the kids club in the church. They had raised money and I was going to go there and give it to kids and get stuff that they needed. And it was about 700 U.S. dollars. So it wasn't, you know, from, from a kid's club, that's, that's a significant amount of money. And I, when I went there, I faced things that I just did not expect. The level of corruption was, was ridiculous. All they saw me as was, uh, I'm the white guy who comes from Canada, and my hand is out, and I, I want your money. 
that, that's, that's what it was. And I did not expect that. I expected to be able to shake hands with people, say this is what we agree to do and let's go and do it. And it just didn't happen that way. So we bought a few things, soccer balls, some school supplies, and gave it to some of the kids, and the people stole the rest of the money. It, it, was, it was shocking to me. These are guys who profess Christianity, obviously not a version that God considers as Christianity. And, and, and I, I came home, and I, I, was, I was just so crushed that it was just constant. You know, people with their hand out just looking for money from me. They had no interest and actually working to establish a, a, some sort of orphanage that we could care for kids that, that had no opportunities. It was just about themselves. And I came home, and I almost quit. And, and I, I, just, I just was so mentally exhausted from the experience. And, and I, I remember the pastor of the church I was going to at that time, and he said, you know, I kind of like that Delson guy. And Delson to this day, is still the only guy on that entire trip, and I met tons of people. He's the only guy that I would have ever worked with, and he's still my director today. It's just, this is what God does. He, he takes you through that garbage. I needed to learn not to trust so quickly, and I needed to learn how to function in that environment. And I, trust me, I got thrown into the fire. But to see what has now come out of it is, is truly amazing, and I almost quit. To make matters worse, on my next trip there, Village Hope still isn't alive, and Delson isn't really my director yet. And I was traveling to there, and I arrived at the airport, and in, any, in two weeks, I might have seen two or three white people in Burundi. It's, it is off the beaten path, and even more so then. So... I had had trouble communicating with Delson leading up to that. There was no WhatsApp. There was no texting internationally. It was like, just, the technology wasn't there. And so I, I had trouble emailing him to say, hey, are you going to pick me up at the airport? So I had no idea. So I'm traveling 48 hours from Winnipeg to Bujumbura, not knowing if I'm going to get picked up at the airport. I don't speak French. It was a decision I made when I was 13. I said, I don't need French. Boy, was that dumb. I don't speak Swahili, and I don't speak the most common language there, which is Kirundi. They don't speak English. By the way, that's my only language. So I arrive at the airport, and there's another white lady getting off the plane. I chatted with her a little bit. Turns out she was a, a doctor from France. And she uh, chatted a little bit, and she, she asked me, what I was doing there, but in not you, you'd think that she sees that I'm there trying to do something and she would be a little encouraging, but she asked me, do I speak French? And I said, no, I don't. And this is what she said to me. What are you doing here? And it, it, was, it was one of those moments that it's like, wow, yeah, what am I doing here? And I remember... Delson did actually get my communication, and I did connect with him. And that was only my second time ever meeting him, so I didn't really know him. And psychologically, it was, it was, I was kind of crushed, right? It's like, what am I doing here? I don't speak the language. And, and then, you know, through that trip, meeting Delson and being able to carry on, and, and, and ultimately, this was the result, and now 450 kids 
that, and that doesn't even count the ones who have graduated out of the program. This is just one, we had 13 kids graduate this year, and it's, that's just gonna keep on growing. And, and I, I just, I look at it and go, wow, God had a bigger plan for me, despite the roadblocks, the discouragements, the people who were just trying to throw water on, on the, the flame that I was trying to kindle, the, the, just the constant barriers that were in my way. I could have quit at any time, and it would have been fine. But I would have known, and God would have known, and this would have never happened. Or it does happen, and somebody else does it and steals my joy. You can, you can sit and, and create all these problems and say, woe is me, or you can just be constantly pursuing happiness and miss the complete point of what joy really is. God's, gonna, God's got a plan for each one of us. He's got things for us to do. And while we're here, we need to be busy doing those things so that when we actually reach heaven, that is the greatest reward that we could ever, ever achieve. I remember one of the youth kids talking about, um, I, I described heaven, so they had a bit of a, an understanding of what heaven was and talking about, because the scripture talks about streets of gold. And we place so much value on our stuff. It's like arriving in heaven and you've got a pocket full of gold. And the angel's saying, why did the dude bring pavement? Our perspective is so wrong so many times. And we need to look to what God's perspective is. Joy is that culmination of living a life that's pleasing and honoring to God to be able to accomplish his will in ultimately reaching heaven. That's what it is. Will you pick up the gift of joy and be a part of what God is asking us all? Here's the free gift of salvation. Will you pick up that gift of joy and live it out? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your incredible gift that you gave us through Jesus, your son. This incredible gift of joy. Andrew spoke about hope. Lord, this is, this is the answer. This is what the answer is for our life today. Lord, may we be looking to you, willing to use the gifts and the talents that you've given us, willing to live our life in a manner that is honoring and pleasing to you so that we can have this incredible joy in our life, that we can exude that, that people can see that we are different because we have that joy. Father, I pray that each one of us would take that and use it to the best of our ability. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day, everybody.